What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Full Disclosure Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany, and on this podcast, we talk about all things taboo in the Western culture. Shall we begin? So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about um, another taboo topic, which is postpartum depression, PPD. Um, There are actually quite a few people um, around the world who still don't believe it's an actual, um, I guess, mental illness. And for those of you who um, don't know what postpartum depression is, um, postpartum depression happens to uh, mostly women um, after childbirth. Um, Sometimes it shows up in between one to three days and it could last as long as 12 months or longer depending how bad the uh, PPD is and it also happens in males also so um, before we dive into some statistics and the nitty-gritty of this I kind of want to give you guys a background um, of my postpartum depression Um, so I had my son at 18 Um, I was a young mom um, just got out of high school just graduated And, you know, there was a lot of things going on around the time my son was born. My stepfather, who I considered um, my father figure in my life, uh, a few months before he had passed away, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, We were told he, uh, he was diagnosed in June. My son was born in August. We were told in June that he um, would... um, he would survive through the holidays, um, but he didn't. A few weeks after my son was born, I watched my stepfather, who was on hospice, pass away. So not only did I develop PPD, but I also developed depression. And let me tell you, I've never really talked about this before because nobody's ever asked me um, how I felt giving birth like to life and then watching a life being taken away. It really does some psychological damage. Like it really, it really, God, it's so hard to talk about because I haven't talked about it before. It's, I was just, I was so hard on myself. You know, first of all, being a young mom, obviously my son um, wasn't planned. Trying, no, none of my family prepared me about, you know, about having a baby. Um, They supported me, but nobody really told me what I would go through. You know, nobody, everybody's so afraid. Everybody always talks about the good things, but nobody ever talks about like the hard things, the painful things, the bad things. You know, I, my mood swings were terrible. Um, My crying, I was always afraid that I wasn't a good mom. So like I was always judging myself like, um, oh, you know, I remember one time, um, my son was like a little older, I don't know, maybe four or five months, and he was like crying, and I didn't know what to do, and I read online that having them self-soothe is like, you know, a good way to get them to, you know, cry themselves to sleep, um, and so I did that, and people were telling me, don't do that, that's bad, blah, 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 you know, the, your baby needs his mom, and it was just, you know, and it wasn't just that. That's just an example, but it was really, really hard. And then on top of the depression, 
that I had from witnessing my stepfather pass away, like I, I don't know if you guys have ever laid in bed and you're laying in bed and you, you're like, you close your eyes to rest, right? But it's like almost an out of body experience that I had because I didn't feel like I was in my body. Like I felt like I was like floating. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but seeing somebody pass away and then seeing their dead body, you know, for a while until the coroners came and picked him up and watching him being carried out in this black bag while holding my baby. I mean, it was, it was traumatic. I mean, I already suffer from PTSD just from my childhood, but this like, you know, and I'm the type of person who I don't show my emotions. I'm very stoic. Um, You know, I'm not a very emotional person. But honestly, it's just a defense mechanism because I don't like to be vulnerable. Only select few have seen me be vulnerable. I just don't like that feeling. I've always, I've always told myself I have to be strong for the others who are going through pain. I have to be the strong one. But did it's so tiring. I'm tired of being the strong one. I just want to break down. I just want to cry. Just, you know. But I, I hold myself together, you know. I always told myself that crying is a sign of weakness and I still think that at times, but you know, when my stepfather passed away and when my son was born, I didn't cry. Like I didn't even cry at my stepdad's funeral. I didn't cry. I haven't cried at all over my son, you know, and he's 12. It's not like anything traumatic has ever happened to him, but you know how some moms can get so emotional and some women are just emotional in general. Um, but you know, also just the overwhelming, um, like hormones, the crying for no reason, whether that's a good cry or a bad cry, you know, is really, really hard. And nobody ever told me about postpartum depression. I didn't even know about it till years later, years later, I was uninformed. I had no idea about it until I just did research on myself, you know? Um, with myself and I was just like, oh shit, I think I had PPD and it lasted for, honestly, I don't know how long it lasted because I was also had depression. So I honestly don't know, but I could tell you that the feeling of, um, everything I do is not good enough for my son. I can tell you that that stopped maybe within a year to two years. I want to say by three years maximum, it had stopped. I stopped feeling like that. Um, I kind of just being young and giving birth, you know, obviously I'm not, I don't recommend girls who, you know, girls, you're, if you're 18, have a baby. I don't recommend that, but there's a lot of positives of having a baby at a young age um, because you're growing up, you're growing up together, you know? Yeah. I didn't get to experience, you know, college and a lot of things that people in their late teens and twenties get to experience. I missed out on all that. But I, I wouldn't change it for the world, you know? My son is almost 13. I'm 31, you know? And honestly, we act like brother-sister more than anything. Um, and some people think that's wrong, but we just have a really good relationship, you know? Um, so 
postpartum depression. So you have PPD and you have baby blues. So baby blues is a little different than PPD. So baby blues um, only last a few days to a week or two after your baby is born. And that may include like mood swings, anxiety, sadness, irritability, feeling overwhelmed, crying, reduced concentration, appetite problems, trouble sleeping. Um, now postpartum depression can also be mistaken for baby blues at first, but the signs and symptoms are more intense and last longer and may eventually interfere with your ability to care for your baby and handle other daily tasks. Symptoms usually develop within the first few weeks after giving birth but may begin earlier or sometimes during pregnancy or later up to a year after birth. Postpartum depression signs and symptoms could include um, depressed mood or severe mood swings, excessive crying, difficulty bonding with your baby, withdrawing from family and friends, loss of appetite or eating too much or eating much more than usual, inability to sleep, which is insomnia or sleeping too much, Overwhelming fatigue or loss of energy, reduced interest and pleasure in activities you used to enjoy, um, intense ir irritability and anger, fear that you're not a good mother, hopelessness, feelings of worthlessness, shame, guilt, or inadequacy, diminished ability to think clearly, concentrate, or make decisions, re restlessness, severe anxiety and panic attacks thoughts of harming yourself or your baby or reoccurring thoughts of death or suicide. Um, if postpartum depression is untreated, it could last for many, many months or years. Um, now you also have postpartum psychosis. Now I had no idea about this, but it's a very rare condition that typically develops within the first week after delivery. Now, these signs and symptoms are very severe, and they include confusion and disorientation, obsessive thoughts about your baby, hallucinations or delusions, sleep disturbances, excessive energy and agitation, paranoia, and attempts to harm yourself or your baby. Um, postpartum psychosis may lead to life-threatening thoughts or behaviors and requires immediate treatment. Um, now, at the very beginning of this episode, I said that postpartum um, mostly happens in women. Well, it does happen in um, new fathers as well. Um, now, they may feel sad or fatigued. They may be overwhelmed, experience some type of anxiety. Um, they could have changes in their usual eating and sleeping patterns, kind of the same symptoms as mothers have with PPD. Um, fathers who are very young or who have a history of depression, experience relationship problems, um, or are struggling financially are most at risk for, uh, postpartum depression. Um, it's sometimes called paternal postpartum depression, um, and that can have the same negative effect on a part, on, on partner relationships and child development as postpartum depression in mothers can. Um, you know, it's... What's really crazy is that even women who are, especially when they're pregnant, um, I'm, I don't know the exact quote, but like I've, I hope you've heard that like, oh, you know, when the women are pregnant and the men are pregnant too, like they feel the symptoms, right? Like they feel like the cravings, they feel the emotions, like I forgot what it's called, but it's a real thing. Um, that's when sometimes postpartum depression can be um, 
be caused in men is when the women are pregnant and are feeling that. Um, you know, so it's nice. It's good to know the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. Um, so postpartum, the term postpartum depression has been around since, um, honestly, it's pretty new since the 1980s. Um, many studies have been conducted on the prevalence, risk factors, and successful treatment rates of it among the world's population. Um, so there's not one culture or a type of population that has it more than the other. It's been, studies have shown in every country around the world, um, there have been studies showing that men and women have um, suffered from PPD. Now, these are going to be approximate figures that I'm going to give you. And this is just in the United States. So, um, approximately 70% to 80% of women will experience at a minimum the baby blues. Many of these women will experience the more severe condition of postpartum depression or a related condition. The reported rate of clinical postpartum depression among new mothers is between 10 to 20%. And in one recent study found that one in seven women may experience PPD in the year after giving birth, with approximately 4 million life, uh, live births occurring each year in the United States, that equates to almost 600,000 PPD depression diagnoses. Diagnoses. Ooh, sorry. Um... You know, it is important to understand that these numbers only account for live births. Many women who miscarry or have stillbirths experience postpartum depression symptoms as well. Um, when including women who have miscarried or have had a stillbirth, around 900,000 women suffer from PPD depression annually in the United States. PPD is a global issue. So like I said, it's not just in one country, it's global. Um, now, across the world, PPD affects tens, if not hundreds of millions annually if, um, if all countries are accounted for. One study found that post postpartum depression rates in Asian countries could be at 65% or more among new mothers. Um, sadly, it is believed that postpartum depression is much more common than these statistics reveal. Some medical experts believe that the rate of postpartum depression could be at least twice as much than what it actually is reported and diagnosed. Um, if symptoms go unreported and untreated, they cannot be accounted for in global health statistics. Now, another factor to consider about PPD is that it can affect people from all races, ethnicities, cultures, and education, educational or, or um, economic backgrounds. Um... So this kind of chart that I'm going to that I'm going to read off here is depression in new mothers by ethnicity or race and honestly like I said um they're pretty much around the same um so it looks like caucasian um 11.7% um african american 13.4 Hispanic, 11.5, um, American Indian, Alaska Native is 16.6. It's the highest. 
Um, Asian, 7.4. Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander, 11.4. Um, and if multiple races, it's 14.8. Now, here, we go, here we're going to dive in um, into the men. So approximately 10% of new fathers experience symptoms of depression during the postpartum um, period. Half of men who have partners with postpartum depression will go on to develop depression themselves. Um, some studies have shown that rates of PPD in adoptive parents are comparable to PPD rates in biological mothers. The stressors and adopt that adoptive parents face are different than those faced by biological parents because there is still a societal stigma around adoptive families. The, the rates of PPD could be higher in adoptive parents as many suffer in silence with their symptoms. Um, one study found that roughly 8% of adoptive parents ex have experienced severe PPD compared to biological mothers in the same study who have experienced PPD at the same rate of 16.5%. Now, honestly, I don't want to discredit adoptive parents or adoptive mothers, and I can't speak from their experience, but what I can say is that, you know, having your own child, because I know that some women can't have their own kids, um, and I'm saying this, and I'm not saying this to be rude or anything, but this is just my honest opinion. I honestly think that biological mothers um, can have more severe symptoms of PPD than adoptive um, mothers or parents. And that's just because we biologically went through the hormonal imbalances, um, just the craziness of the pregnancy, whereas adoptive parents, you know, they don't. Um, so, yes, I believe that they both can suffer from PPD, but I think being um, a biological mother or parent, um, I think we can suffer from the symptoms more severely, if that makes any sense. Um, and like I said, I'm not discrediting adoptive parents. Um, I know that they can suffer from PPD and, you know, and we're all in this together. Um you know, one thing about this is there's really no known cause of PPD, um, you know, and there's no, there's not like one factor um, that can, that like increases your likelihood of like having it. Um, but here are some statistics that have kind of shown um, how you can develop PPD. Um, women with a history of depression or anxiety disorders or serious mood disorders um, are 30 to 35% more likely to develop PPD. Um, if a woman has experienced PPD with previous births, she is 10 to 50% more likely to experience it again. Um, it is also believed that 50% of women who develop PPD begin experiencing symptoms during pregnancy. This proves the case for early symptom recognition, awareness, and access to treatment. So for me, I didn't experience any PPD symptoms during pregnancy. Um, I think the only thing I really experienced was I was like just tired. I was tired a lot. But as a person who suffers from chronic fatigue, I'm always tired. Um, while PPD can affect people of all backgrounds, people in poverty or who have poor access to education and healthcare may run a higher risk. 
Um, data suggests 25% of people of this demographic will develop PPD. Um, one study found that women of low socioeconomic status were 11 times more likely to develop PPD symptoms than women of higher so, uh, socioeconomic statuses. Um, so we're going to go on to P, um, postpartum psychosis a little bit. And between one and two women out of every 1,000 will develop postpartum psychosis, a severe and potentially deadly disorder. Um, women who have a history of bipolar disorder are 40% more likely to develop um, postpartum psychosis. Tragically, 10% of postpartum psychosis cases result in suicide or infanticide. Suicide obviously is taking one's life, one one's own life, and infanticide is um, basically killing your baby. Um, one study found that over 60% of women with uh, PPD also had signs of an anxiety disorder, a condition which isn't always associated with depression. Um, postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder is believed to occur in 3 to 5% of childbearing women. Um, now, if you suffer from uh, baby blues, PPD, postpartum um, psychosis, um, always get help, get treatments, um, see a therapist, see a counselor, you know, um, maybe reach out somewhere on social media. Don't be afraid. People are so hush hush to talk about it. I honestly don't know why. You know, first of all, I feel like in American culture, you know, when a woman is pregnant and when you go to your, um, your OBGYN, you know, they never, at least mine, they never tell you the negatives that could happen, the stuff that you're going to feel. They're always, they always talk about, oh, your baby, this is going to be like this. It's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Okay. Cool. That stuff is going to happen, but I want to know about the bad stuff. I want to know that your vagina is going to rip. You know, I want to know that you may have to have an emergency C-section. I want to know that you might have to, they, the doctor might have to use forceps or a vacuum. You know, like I, like nobody told me about giving birth to the placenta. Like I honestly, back when I was younger, I thought it just like after you gave birth, it just like dissolves <laughs> like in your body. No, you give birth to that motherfucker. And unfortunately, when I gave birth to my placenta, Apparently, my doctor said it was the biggest one he's ever seen. Okay. What? Oh, and that thing looks so alien-esque. Oh, my God. Anyways, but, like, nobody ever, t like, nobody tells you about that stuff. Nobody tells you that, you know, there's going to be sleepless nights. Nobody's going to tell you that, you know, you're always going to second-guess yourself. Like, is this going to be a good mom? Like, for me, I could not get my son to latch. I could not breastfeed. I couldn't develop that relationship with him. I tried. Trust me, I tried. Not to mention, um, I also had a lot of clogged ducts. Um, and so it was really, really painful, you know. And I know people are like, oh, if you breastfeed your baby, they're going to turn out healthier and smarter than if you bottle feed. Honestly, I don't think there's that much of a difference. My son's been, like, healthy. The only thing he's had was, like, asthma that he's now grown out of and, um, eczema which he's now grown out of but that I mean like honestly that's another subject that I can dive that's another podcast episode that I could talk about is bottle feeding versus versus breastfeeding um 
honestly, as long as my baby's eating and is eating or drinking what they're supposed to as a baby and as an infant and a toddler and they're healthy, then, you know, I'm doing a good job, right? Um, you know, so these are just some, you know, it's really just talk about it. Talk about it. You know, if you're listening, talk to your mom, talk to your grandma, talk to your best friend. Like I said, maybe make, um, a group on Facebook, maybe, you know, comment on somebody who's posting about it and get and see, you know, what they went through and kind of compare and and talk about it because the more we talk about it, the more it's not going to be so taboo because unfortunately it's not just taboo here in um, the United States. It's taboo everywhere. Nobody wants to talk about it. They keep it on a hush hush and you know, it's just like a lot of different things like sexual assault, um, you know, being suicidal. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about the bad things. Everybody wants to talk about the good. Nobody wants to talk about the bad. I don't care about the good. I care about the bad because the bad is what we can change. You know, the good is good. We don't want to change the good. Um, but like I said, if you or anybody, you, you know, has experienced PPD or baby blues or postpartum psychosis, um, I'm, am going to put some links in my show notes, um, for some hotlines and for all my, um, articles that I got so you can read up on it too. Um, and if you are suffering from it now or have suffered and you want to come on and, uh, my show and talk about it and, um, you know, bring awareness and let your voice be heard. It's always welcome. I always welcome, um, new faces on my podcast, new voices. Um, so yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Hey guys, one last thing before you leave, go ahead and like, follow, and subscribe. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Disclosure Podcast. And please email me with your responses and with your answers and any feedback regarding this episode and future episodes at Full Disclosure Podcast at gmail.com.